Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It's your number one place to talk TCU Horned Frogs athletics. Remember to rate, review, subscribe everywhere you get your podcast, and you have a chance to win a free Heartland Sports koozie by leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. Go to Apple Podcasts, write a review, screenshot it, send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, the big boss. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, it's Andrew Zimmel back at it again. Got a lot to talk about, even though a little slow week. Slowing things down a little bit on the uh, sports front this week. You know how it goes. I got a story to tell you. Before we get into all that, we got to talk spring game, the recap from that. Going to talk a little bit about uh, the different players that really showed out in that spring game last Saturday or Friday. And then, of course, baseball. Are they losing it? Are they falling apart? And then we'll highlight some uh, draft preview stuff at the very end of the podcast because that's coming up next week. And we'll do a little bit of a teaser for that. But I want to start here. So I have been getting messages on my iPhone. And uh, I've been having trouble sending messages on my iPhone the past couple days. And, you know, you go to the Genius Bar. You go online. You try to figure out what's supposed to be happening. I could not figure out for the life of me what the deal was. What was the problem when it came to not being able to send these messages? So I figured it out, I think. It was too many photos. I had too many photos in my iPhone. I had to clean some stuff out. So I was on FaceTime with my mom. I was cleaning out photos while talking to her. And I hit 2020, and I'm seeing all of these photos of me, very round, very pandemic weight gain type photos. And I said to her, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really glad I lost some of this weight. You know, I feel a lot better. I look a lot better. And I was talking to her about this, and she, at the same time, is dealing with a little bit of an allergic reaction. She got new glasses. I don't know how this happens. She got new glasses. She's allergic to the frames. Don't know how that ever has happened to anybody in the history. Only to my mom could that happen. So she's on Benadryl, and she said to me, uh, the round mound of sound. That's what you are. The round mound of sound. And I love it. So that's what we're going to go by from here on out. The round mound of sound. Andrew Zimmel talking TCU sports with you. Like we said, slower week to uh, start. After a very hectic time over the past couple weeks where we had basketball and we had baseball and we have softball happening and all the other different stuff, I'm very happy now that we are only really having one sport happening. That's baseball. And football had their spring game, which we're going to talk about right now. The spring game recap. Now, a lot of people, myself included, do not put a ton of stock into the spring game. But for the sake of the podcast, it is really the only content that you can have for football. Outside of guys going through the transfer portal, which a couple of guys did after the spring game, outside of guys going through the transfer portal, there's not a whole lot happening in the world of football. There just isn't. So the spring game is the oasis. This is what we're doing as we cross the desert, the barren content desert, where there's not a whole lot happening. The spring game is that oasis in the middle of the desert. It was a good spring game by all accounts. It was a good spring game. I watched a little bit of it on uh, YouTube, watched some of the clips. It was, it was solid. Nobody was hurt. That is how you judge a spring game. Did the offense look okay? Did the defense break up some plays? Did one side not completely bat the other side over the head? If that's the case and nobody was hurt, then it is a successful spring game, A-plus effort all around. It's interesting because with Garrett uh, Riley, the offense coordinator, leaving to Clemson, and Kendall Bryle, the new OC, stepping in, Sonny Dykes 
working with some new guys. A lot of the players that made the impact last year for that uh, Fiesta Bowl winning team. A lot of those players now moving on to the NFL draft. So you have a couple of holes to fill. And in the spring game, I think a couple of those holes started to be filled for TCU fans, which makes me excited. First things first, on the opening drive, Oklahoma State transfer John Paul Richardson. He hauled in a pass and bounced off two would-be tacklers to run in for a touchdown. That was a big play in that first couple of uh, possessions. The defense took over from there. They got three consecutive stops, allowing only one first down. On the fourth drive, Chandler Morris, the week one starter from 2022, for those fans that remember, he was replaced by Max Duggan after he was injured. He quickly led the Frogs offense down the field and capped off a drive with a quick pass to DeAndre Rogers for the offense's second score of the game. Now, TCU's offense, it looked fine. Like I said, you look when you're doing the spring game highlights, when you're going through the spring game um, rundown, essentially what you're looking for is you're saying to yourself, does the offense look coherent? With Chandler Morris underneath center, do they look as good as they did last year? Is the drop-off not so significant that you're taking two or three wins off of the overall record? Because a lot of franchises, a lot of programs, they, they got that problem. And I don't want to point fingers here, and I don't want to look down the road too far, but you know, the University of Texas, do they have a controversy at the quarterback position? It's looking like it with three guys and one of the guys, the guy who's getting none of the press, it's not Quinn Ewers, it's not Arch Manning. They're having issues trying to figure out what their quarterback room looks like. It made me feel good that Chandler Morris looked like a competent quarterback again in 2023. He looks like the type of guy that can take the reins and be your starter week one of the 2023-24 season. It's tough to replace a Heisman quarterback across college football. I think every single team can tell you that the only one there's only one program in the last 15 years in my opinion that really took from one Heisman quarterback or excellent level Davy O'Brien level quarterback to the next of course is Oklahoma and even there those were not recruits those were guys who were walk-ons and transfers you look in Baker Mayfield Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts back to back to back not every program has a situation like that in fact I would argue most across college football history, do not. So to have Chandler Morris come in, look as competent as he did to replace Max Duggan off last year's squad, which I think is kind of ironic. You know, Morris, your week one starter, Duggan comes in for injury, and now Morris gets his job back now that Duggan is going to the league. I think that that's kind of humorous, kind of full cycle there. All right, good spring game. That's where we're going to leave it. Let's move on. Three guys go into the transfer portal, highlighted by... a. Jordan Hudson, and three others. So we'll start there. Jordan Hudson, as well as cornerback Kyron Chambers, linebacker Landon Watson, offensive lineman Noah Blitkoff, all are leaving the program. The reason Hudson is the most important is because he played last season. Those other three guys, not so much. Played in 14 games in 2022, caught 14 passes, so one pass per game, 174 yards, three TDs. The former four-star recruit, had been primed to be the potential breakout sophomore prior to entering the transfer portal this week. That happened yesterday. The problem is, and I think a lot of fans got a little nervous about that, you know, anytime a multiple-star type of guy is leaving your program and all signs pointed to him potentially having a breakout season, a lot of that is kind of alleviated because, you remember, the reason he's leaving is because he's not going to get the targets because John Paul Richardson, the Oklahoma State transfer, who has had a strong spring 
according to all sources, really strong spring, is looking like he will take over that wide receiver one role, and uh, he will be opposite of Savon Williams, who appears to be primed for the X slot, who Quinton Johnson, if you remember, the number one wide receiver, and I think he's going to be probably the fifth receiver off the board in this year's draft. He was in that position last year, so Williams will uh, probably in this uh, Sunny Dykes offense be getting most of the targets. Richardson will probably get the second targets. I think Hudson is looking at it and saying, I don't know where I'm going to get my piece of the pie, which to be completely fair, you want to say if you're a fan, hey, buy into the program, buy into TCU. You come here. The goal is to win championships. This is a team that was just playing for a national championship less than six months ago. Like, you just buy in and you'll be fine, right? Just trust the set, trust the process, trust the system, and everybody can eat. I think that that's a very fair point. I would almost agree with you. But I think in uh, Jordan Hudson's defense, I think in his defense, I think the goal right now is to try to get to the next level. And I don't mean the XFL or the USFL or the AFL or, ES, or uh, um, NFL Europe. The goal is not to go do another league. The goal is to play in the National Football League. And you're not going to get to play in the National Football League if you're not getting those targets, if you can't show what you're bringing to the table. And as a redshirt sophomore, he's trying to go to the league next year. I think his goal is to try to get as many targets as possible. The only thing I would warn any transfer across the board is that if you're going to leave TCU, if you're leaving a premier program in a premier conference, where are you going to go that's going to make you look better, right? If you're the third receiver on TCU and TCU is playing for a Big 12 championship, TCU is playing for a bowl win, TCU is playing for a national championship, you are going to get your just desserts for that. You're going to be rewarded for being a member of that team. But if you're leaving early spring, right after the spring game, you got a little bit of summertime to try to figure out where you're going to move. You're going to have to fight for position battles when spring or summer practice opens up at any of these other camps. To me, if as a head coach, outside of a Power 5 program, you are going to accept this type of player with open arms. He's going to immediately become the number one wide receiver, and I would say we'll go the bottom 50% of the league. The bottom 50% of college football, he is going to be a wide receiver one in most places. I think that it is a little bit of a character issue sometimes when guys leave programs that are already good or kind of primed to be good when you're leaving because you don't think you're going to get the touches, you're not going to get the looks that you think you're going to look get looks. That to me shows that you're not all the way in. And in that regard, I think fans across the board, doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter, matter the team, you don't want those type of guys on the team. You don't want those type of guys on the roster. And for that, I wish nothing but the best for Jordan Hudson. Um, I wish nothing for the best for his family and his career. I am glad that he's not in the locker room anymore because, to me, that's showing me that you are not bought all the way in if already after the spring game you're really ready to transfer out. And that goes for the other three guys uh, as well. All right, before we move on, I want to talk about players that are highlighted uh, through the spring game, some guys to watch uh, as we come out of spring and go into the summer. You'll go quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and, of course, linebacker. Here we go. So quarterback Josh Hoover. If Richardson was the MVP of the spring game, redshirt freshman Josh Hoover might be the most improved. Okay, He was accurate. He had successful numbers on some deep shots. He had another great pass to Major Everett when the Horn Frogs were working in their red zone offense. On the first play that Hoover got to play, he fit the ball perfect between two defenders, 
And uh, across all boards, this looks like the guy that's going to be pushing quarterback number one, and that would be Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris, he didn't have a jaw-dropping performance, but I don't think you need to, especially when you consider what he was looking up against, and that's the TCU defense. All year last year, we were really high on the TCU defense on this podcast. I loved what they were able to do, putting multiple defensive backs on the field. It makes a quarterback's life hell made Chandler Morris's life very difficult in that spring game. He looked uncomfortable, or he looked comfortable, I should say, uh, throwing the underneath ball, going deep. A couple of questions uh, after going three and out in the first drive, he bounced back on the next one. All right, this is your MVP by all accounts. Your MVP of the spring game was P.J. Richardson. He was the top player in the spring. He's looking to be the top player in uh, the TCU uniform coming into the season. The transfer from Oklahoma State had a superb spring game, scored on the opening drive from a pass from Josh Hoover, and then uh, was able to shed a number of tackles before strolling into the end zone. He was again found on a 60-yard touchdown, so two big ones. He had over 100 yards and was the best player on the field, again, by all accounts. You don't love your wide receiver to be the number one player in the spring game, but all things being equal, it is a spring game. I will give the MVP to a uh, wide receiver. Running back Trey Sanders he had a great day at uh, the running back room. Again, remember you got to you got to remember TCU losing uh, Kondre Miller. They're also losing their backup running back as well. So Sanders stepping in and trying to fill big shoes along with Richardson. Just, again, a lot of big shoes to fill from last year's roster. The best team that TCU ever put on the field, arguably. Uh, he had most of the opportunities. He scored two touchdowns, one on a wheel route from Morris, and one uh, with a run up the middle untouched. It's going to be a Interesting running back room this year. I imagine that TCU is going to be using a uh, running back by committee. We've seen more and more colleges do this. I think that that is where TCU is going to go as well. And Shade Banks. Okay, so we talked about all the offensive players. Linebacker Shade Banks. He was the highlight on the defensive side. He looked great on the first team defense. He was a tackling machine. And the TCU's first team defense didn't allow any plays. Uh, he didn't, I should say, didn't allow any big plays. This is going to be TCU's number one tackler come the fall. So, Shade Banks, the player to watch on the defense. You're going to want to watch Chandler Morris, P.J. Richardson, and Trey Sanders as they kind of pump up that TCU offense come fall. Moving on now. This is, the content business is a funny one. The content business, you're going to be right more times than you're not if you're good at it, and I think I'm pretty good at it. You're going to be right more times than you're wrong in this business. But the times that you're wrong, you're going to look like a fool. You're going to look like a clown, and I am bozo this week. Because I don't know if TCU letting me down or if my eyes are going bad or maybe I'm just too high on the Horn Frog offense. Or I should say the Horn Frog team is in general, not so much the offense because the offense is kicking ass. The offense is killing it right now for TCU. They're putting the ball in play. There's a couple of guys we're going to get to here in a moment that are doing everything that you want them to uh, at the plate. The pitching, however, has been atrocious. I think TCU pitching this year, and I don't say this lightly, I think TCU pitching this year is the worst it's ever been. I think TCU pitching is the worst it has ever been, which is not bode well because we have a month left of the season, and I don't know if this is going to be a team that is going to be able to swim. Right now they're sinking. TCU baseball is falling uh, they're falling away from the number two teams in the conference. That would be Texas and Oklahoma State, who have both continued to roll. Currently, there are five teams in the Big 12 with a better overall record than TCU. That would be University of Texas, Kansas State, WVU, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Now, WVU and TCU, they're going to play 
this weekend. We'll get to that here in a moment. I don't like to point fingers on the Hypnotoad podcast, and I've tried very hard not to point out student-athletes because we've all been there before. You know, some of these guys, they're trying to work through breakups. They're trying to work through math problems. They're trying to work through all a litany of things. So I don't like to plaster and blame college athletes for my team not doing well. But it's worth mentioning, okay, it's worth mentioning that junior Ryan uh, Vetterhall, he's 1-3 in his last four starts. Okay, that's not great. Uh, and if you take every single, okay, he's 1-3 in the last three starts, and if you're starting every series with a loss, this is what I, I had down, you're at a disadvantage. He has given up five earned runs in two of two of those four losses, okay, two of his last four appearances, he's given up five earned runs, which works out to what? Just a little bit under two and a half runs per game, which is totally doable. But if you're giving up five earned runs, your offense has to kick butt. And the problem is, is that if your starting pitcher is giving up five earned runs and your relief pitcher is giving up three or four earned runs and your middle relief pitcher is giving up two earned runs, all of a sudden the offense has to find a way to muster 10 runs a game. And I don't care who you are. That's almost impossible to do. With that said, TCU has tried to figure it out. Now, the problem is, is they lost the weekend series to US, UNC Williamton, which I said that they were going to sweep. They lost two of three to those guys, and then they lost to Lamar on Tuesday. So of the last four games, they've lost three of them. And that's what I'm saying when we talk sink or swim. These guys are sinking, and it's making me nervous, making me upset. I'm not happy about it. TCU, they've given up nine or more runs in three or all three of their past three losses. And what's funny is the bats are still hot. TCU is fourth in team home runs with 51 in the conference and RBIs with or 266. And they are sixth in team batting average at 266. Now, sixth in team batting average, that's not ideal, but that doesn't mean that you're going to lose games. 266 team batting average, that's very doable. You'd like it to be a little bit higher, but that's doable. You can win games. You should be winning more games. It's the pitching's fault. It's all on the pitcher's shoulders that TCU's not winning games here. TCU, or I'm sorry, Texas, they stand atop of the Big 12 and are ranked the highest. Uh, there is no real front runner though, in this league. In a non-script week, the Big 12, many of which members have more questions than answers a month left uh, in the regular season. So there's a lot of guys here who are... A couple question marks trying to figure out what's uh, what's good, what's not with them, right, when we talk teams, which is fine. But, again, when we talked preseason, I said TCU was going to be head and shoulders the best team in the conference. That is not drawn out at all in any way. Two players to watch, Brendan Taylor, Anthony Silva. Both those guys are in the hunt for postseason awards. They are the driving force of this TCU offense. Taylor, he had three home runs over the past four games with eight RBIs in those uh Th- uh, what three losses uh, against Williamton and uh, Lamar and Sylvia is built batting a team high 362, which is good for I think fourth in the Big 12 and 30 RBIs. Now they have a long road trip this weekend. They go to WVU. We mentioned earlier that WVU is one of those teams that's ahead of TCU in the overall standings. So in the overall standings, TCU would do a ba- do a big service for themselves try to close that gap if they can take two of three against West Virginia. Those games, of course, start Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a three-game series in Morgantown. All right, that's going to do it for the Hypno Toad podcast next week. Talk NFL draft. 
give you the last previews of where TCU players are projected to head and uh, where they might be going, what we where we can expect them to go, I should say. That's going to do it for the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. You have a chance to win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Send those screenshots to Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a chance to win a free college koozie. Well, the round mound of sound. That's going to do it for me. Zimmel out of here next week. More TCU Athletics on the Hypnotoad Podcast.